Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. That's cool. That's cool. I, I like it. I like it. I need to pass that on to my wife. Man, it's so good to be here with you all today. Wow. I, um, it's always a blessing just to come and hang out with you guys. And, and sometimes I, uh, I come over and I just sneak in the back and just kind of chill and just uh, experience God with you guys together. I'm grateful for the our friendship and relationship with uh, with your pastor John. I call him First John. I'm Second John. <laughs> and um, uh, especially, uh, I just say this as oftentimes as I get a chance to do it. That especially in ministry, it's good to, when you can have real friends, real friends, people who are genuine, people who are transparent, people who love God and love you. And uh, Pastor John and Pastor Kyra are those kind of people to me too. So not just to you. I know you all know that. But I'm saying to me, too. And so I just um, appreciate them for that and uh, was glad to um, be able to accept the invitation to come today and, uh, and just to share some things with you that I, I believe are uh, from, from God's heart to yours. Uh, th- this morning, I want to talk to you about the Father's plan. The Father's plan. The Father's plan. Oftentimes, we talk about God... Um, most people are used to and more comfortable with calling him God instead of Father. Uh, because for many, their human experience um, of an earthly father is painful um, for a variety of reasons. Maybe the earthly father was, was not even there. Maybe don't even know who he is, never even seen him before. Maybe he was there but wasn't there. And the reality is that some of our earthly fathers um, are still carrying what happened to them because of their earthly fathers. Stuff just gets passed down, and people try to figure out how to do life with the wounds that they have. And sometimes when you see what's happening in other people's lives, you see them doing their very best to live without Jesus. Like That's what you're seeing. They're trying to figure out life without Jesus. They don't know he's missing, but they, they're, they're, they're navigating, and so they're experimenting with different choices and experiences and are trying to figure things out without Christ. And then there are those of us who know who Jesus is. We've met him, we've, we've been introduced to him, but we still don't know how to live with him. But when we go back to the beginning of the Bible, we see the, the motive, we see the, the initial design for the Father's plan, that God is not just here to be our God, he's here because he's our Father. He actually gave birth to us as his children. And so in the garden of, of Eden, when God had created humanity, he created us for relationship to be connected with him. And when sin entered the world, sin fractured that. So, so to, to, for you to see a clear picture of the Father's plan, you got to see what it was what the initial design was. you got to see then what happened and then what needed to be repaired and how God repairs it. 
And so with the initial design, God created in perfection the human beings, Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful, multiply. And in this moment, everything was perfect. And there were four relationships you got to be aware of that were all perfect. First of all, humans' relationship with God as father was perfect. And it was without flaw, without anything tainting it. That was the first relationship. So man's relationship with God was perfect. And then because that was perfect, his relationship with himself was perfect. Adam didn't have shame issues, guilt issues, rejection issues. It was perfect. And then when God gave him Eve, his relationship with Eve, his relationship with others was perfect. All right? So the relationship with, with God has, uh, the relationship man has with God is perfect. His relationship with himself is perfect. His relationship with others is perfect. And then he can just pick fruit off of any tree and eat it except for one. And the earth yielded fruit for us. The relationship with the earth was perfect. Everything is perfect. And so when, 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 when Adam and Eve decided to eat off of the tree that God told them not to eat off of, sin, disobedience came into the picture and fractured first man's relationship with God. Now the God that man enjoyed, the God that woman enjoyed, is now the God they're hiding from. Adam, where are you? And they're hiding. He used to enjoy the presence of God flawlessly, perfectly. They're in harmony. And now because of sin, they're hiding from the same presence they once took refuge in. That's what sin does. It twists things. It confuses things. It, it shatters things. It fractures things. It jacks up things. And so God says, Adam, where are you? We're, we're, we're hiding. Why, why are you hiding? Because, because we're naked. Oh, yeah, you always been naked. You always been naked, but you didn't feel naked. Who told you you were naked? Ah, uh, well, see, and the guys, this is where we get it from right here, the whole blaming thing. Well, things was cool till she came. You know what I'm saying? That woman, he blames two people. That woman you gave me. A woman you gave me, she, you know, she was tripping. I tried to tell her not to eat off that. And I said, Eve, we don't want no trouble now. <laughs> a woman you gave me. So watch this. So sin caused Adam to hide from God. His relationship with God is fractured. Then his eyes were opened and they began to cover themselves. They were embarrassed. Now their shame, his relationship with himself is fractured. Now he blames Eve. His relationship with Eve is fractured. And now instead of the earth yielding forth fruit effortlessly, now we have to work. Our relationship with the earth is fractured. Boom, 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 boom. But what is the Father's plan? The Father's plan is restoration in all four relationships. And because the devastation 
started, the fracture started with the relationship with God and man because of sin. That's where God starts first to fix the other three. So he sends Jesus. Jesus fixes the sin problem for us. Jesus is the one that calls us to be reconciled back to God the Father. And when we're reconciled back to God the Father, and now this relationship is intact, now it changes how I view myself. Now self can love self again. And then when self loves self, then self can love you. Just the way you are. You're like, you ain't got to change for me to love you. I love you just the way you are. So when my relationship with God gets restored, then my relationship with myself gets restored. And I have to walk around in guilt and shame and fear. And when my relationship with myself gets restored, I can love you without trying to take anything from you. I can love you as you are. My relationship with you gets restored. And then I'll learn how to be a better steward of this earth that God has given to us. And our stewardship of the earth gets restored. I can use it through the lens of, of, of how God sees it and not just out of selfishness. The Father's plan. The Father's plan. You got to know that's what he's up to. You got to know that's what he's up to. And so when he sends Jesus, Jesus is a big deal. Because without Jesus, none of that gets restored. Without Jesus, none of that gets fixed. Without Jesus, none of that gets healed. But with Jesus, you have to understand that this is the Father's plan, and Jesus is sent to fix these things. And so he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is Alpha and Omega. He's first and last. He is all of those things, but one thing you've got to always, always remember, he is the Son of God who is God. He's the Son of God who is God. Now, why is that important? Because... As, as the king of kings, when you and I worship him, when we follow him, when we, when we serve him, he's not trying to teach us how to be a king. As alpha and omega, the first and the last, he's not trying to teach us how to be the first and the last. He's not, he, as lord of lords, he's not trying to teach us how to be lord of lords. But as a son of God, he is trying to teach us how to be sons and daughters of God. And so when he is asked all throughout his ministry a variety of questions, sometimes people always trying to check Jesus, right? He always had haters wherever he went. You know, sometimes people, they, they don't have enough to do in their own life. They, they, they commit themselves to follow you around just to hate on you. Like they've made hating on you an occupation. Well, what, what do you, what, what's your purpose in life? I just hate on Pastor John. That's all I do. I, I wake up every morning to think about how I can throw shade his way. Like, there's people, there's people. Ask the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, everywhere he went to preach the gospel, there were people literally who left their homes to follow him city after city just to hate on him, just to try to discredit him everywhere he went. So don't, don't think it's, it's beneath people to just do that. It will pack up and move with you. <laughs> but all throughout Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus would teach about God the Father. He would teach about the kingdom of God. He would teach about the love of God. And there are always people, especially the religious people, who they, the religious people always hate relationship talk. When you're teaching about relationship with God the Father, the, the religious people say, no, 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 not, not, no, 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 you have to do A, B, C, and D. 
They're so caught up in trying to seek God's approval through works and actions that they don't get that God approved you through Christ. He, he gave Jesus to you so you can walk through him, accept him, be placed in him, and have complete acceptance with God the Father through Jesus Christ. They don't get the gospel. That, that's, that's relationship stuff. And the whole Father's plan is all about relationship. And so on, on, one, on one occasion, on one occasion, these people came up and they said, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. They asked his disciples, we want to see Jesus. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, there's some people that want to see you. And Jesus responded. And, and when you read his, the, the Gospels, you see Jesus, it's like sometimes he just makes stuff difficult. It's like, dude, why can't you just answer the question? Like, why are you, why are you trying to be all deep? And we just, just had to ask you, ask you a question. Um, did Jesus, do you think you can destroy the, you, you can build this temple and, and just overnight? It, was, it, it took decades to build this temple. If you destroy this temple, I will build it in three days. What? <laughs> you know, sometimes Jesus is teaching different parables and stuff, and the disciples get along with him. Hey, Jesus, what? Uh, that was cool what you were saying, but what, what, were you, what were you talking about? Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Man, I'm done with this guy, man. He's just always trying to talk way up here. So here's this opportunity, another time where he, he, he says something that, that it's, it's symbolic. It, it has metaphorical significance. He, he uses symbols a lot when he, when he teaches. Oftentimes when he tells a story, it's a parable. A parable is just a story that has, it's, it's a natural story with a heavenly meaning. So many people just simply describe it that way, right? And sometimes he uses a metaphor to show you a picture of a divine revelation of who he is. And so in John chapter 12, we find one of those times. John 12, verse, verse 23, and this is what he says. So we, want, we want to see you. We want to know what's going on with you. He says, he replied to them, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. But then, it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. Now, if you know the life of Jesus, you can already know what he's referring to. He said, if I have a grain of wheat, if nothing is done to it, if, it, if, it's not, if it doesn't go into the ground and, and die, it, it's just a grain of wheat. Nothing else comes from it. But when it goes into the ground and dies, when it is planted in the ground, watch this, this grain, grain, single, this grain of wheat produces a harvest of wheat. When it goes into the ground and dies, when it germinates, it can produce, watch this, more like itself. So Jesus is talking about when he's going to go into the ground. When he's going to die and go into the ground, he says, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, watch this, then I, as the son of God, will only remain the singular son of God. But if I go into the ground, if I go to the cross, 
if I die on the cross, if I shed my blood, when I'm planted in the ground, when I come out, I'll produce more sons and daughters of God. That grain has got to die and go into the ground, and it will produce more grain. But here's what's interesting. Again, that grain of wheat produces a harvest of wheat. It reproduces itself. What is the father's plan? The reproduction of his children. To make more and more and more and more sons and more and more and more and more daughters. And we become sons and daughters by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's why Calvary was necessary. He had to go. That's why the resurrection was necessary. He had to come back. He can't be the giver of life and he's dead. But when he comes out of that tomb, and he's in the garden, and Mary, who's there at the tomb weeping, she sees, think, man, what's, think somebody stole his body. Y'all know the Easter story, right? Mary comes to the tomb, his body's not there, and she's crying, and Jesus comes to her. And he says, Mary, and she's turning around, she doesn't recognize him. She says, if you're the gardener, listen, if you've taken his body somewhere, let me, tell me where you've taken him so I can, I can care for his body. And she's, he says, Mary, when he says her name, her eyes open up, and she says, teacher, master. And she wants to hug him. He says, no, no, you can't hug me yet. I got to make one more trip. But go and tell my disciples and Peter that I'm, I'm going to my God and their God, my father and your father. So here you see Jesus is giving a picture of one, what must happen to him, but why it must happen to him. Because the father wants his children back. In another passage while Jesus is teaching, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, which is to say that right now you're orphans. I'm not going to leave you this way. There is a plan for you to be grafted into the father's family again, his initial plan. You're not meant to be wandering in darkness. You're not meant to have identity issues. You're not meant to live in fear and guilt and shame and condemnation. You're meant to live as people who know that they're freely loved and, 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 and completely loved and completely known by God. You're meant to have, have a solid identity in who you are in God and in Christ. So the Father's plan is to bring people back to that. Uh, let me give you a picture of God's heart. When you, when you see people, especially people who hurt you, you see people who hurt you, you got to see it's them struggling with their own orphanhood. And people lash out. Rage, anger, fear, manipulation, control. That's their orphan showing. They haven't yet either accepted Christ for real or even in their acceptance of Christ haven't grown into maturity. In, in John chapter 1, uh, uh, I think it's uh, verse 12, John says that to those who believed in him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Right? Whoever believes in Christ 
You now have the right to become the sons of God or the children of God. That word sons actually means mature children. Mature children. In, in Romans, Paul refers to the same thing. He says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They are the mature children. It, it takes maturity to be led by the Spirit. He ain't talking about just everybody who says, I'm saved. He's talking about lifestyle. He says, you can tell those who are mature children of God because they're being led by the Spirit in everything that they do. Not being led by logic, not being led by emotions. They're led by the Spirit. The Father is leading them, just like you see in Jesus. And so um, the other day I was playing with my, with my daughter. I meant to bring it, and I came out of the house this morning. I left it at home. But it's a, it's a puzzle I have with my, with my daughter. It's a big old fire truck. And it's a, when, you, when you put the puzzle together, it's like a four-foot puzzle. So it's got these big pieces. So it ain't like the little small pieces and it's four feet. That's ridiculous. It's got these big pieces. But if, how many of you ever try to put a puzzle together? Okay? Some of you, yeah. Some of you are like, no, nah, that's, just, that's just not a gift. I just know ahead of time. That's just not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Whenever you try to put a puzzle together, you take all the pieces, you dump them all out, right? And you, and you try to, to match up the pieces that have similar colors on them. You know, like, oh, this is a piece of the sky, and this is a piece of the sky, so it's got to be together. Oh, this looks like it's a leaf from a tree. This is a leaf from a tree. It's got to go together. But what you will always, always do more than once when putting the puzzle pieces together is what? You're going to look at the box cover. What is this supposed to look like? Like what? What? Because these pieces don't look like they're coming together. What? What is this? If I, if I just see a piece I, I can't make sense of the piece by itself. I've got to see the cover. Let me just look at the cover one more time. Where is this supposed to go? And so Jesus, Jesus is the cover of the box. Every time you read about the life of Jesus in Scripture, you're looking at the cover of the box. What is my life supposed to look? I see all these pieces, all this stuff. I see my attitude. I see my personality. What, what is my life supposed to really look like? Look at the cover of the box. It's right there in Scripture. That's why we study the life of Jesus, because not looking at the life of Jesus is like trying to put a piece together, and you don't even know what the picture is supposed to look like. You've got to know what the picture is supposed to look like. And Jesus came because the Father says, I want you to see the cover. I want you to see my plan for your life. Everything you go through and everything I do in you, it's to make you look like the cover. Every single thing. And even the stuff you got yourself into that I had nothing to do with. Because you know you got some of that right. Not everything was God's will. Huh? Okay, that's a whole nother sermon, but we ain't got time today. That everything was God's will. But because of the awesomeness of God and the power of God, he can take anything and make good come out of it just for your benefit. That's the power of God. That, that's, why, that's why it's so important to have correct theology with that. Because if you look at one of your mistakes as it was God's will to begin with, then you won't see what he does as his ability to clean up your jacked upness. And that was your fault. His grace and mercy cleaned up your mess. You created that. He never intended you to go through some of that. He never intended you for, for you to do some of that. But he cleaned it up anyway because he's good. 
And so, so when we look at the life of Jesus, we don't look at it and go, okay, I'm looking at him because um, you know, God wants me to be like him. And so um, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my best. Look at Jesus. I'm going to try my best to do what he did. Wrong. That's what religion does. Religion is, is man's way of convincing man to do God's part. You cannot change you. Not through Bible study, not through small groups, not through attending church services, not through not, you can't You can't change you. God has to change you. And he does it through your Bible study. He does it through your small groups. He does it when you come, come together, uh, together in, in service. But you got to know he's the one that's changing you. He is the change agent. If he does not make you like Jesus, I don't care what you do. You will never be like Jesus. His, his spirit has to change you. His spirit. You don't even know how to be like Jesus. You don't know what you're doing. But the spirit of Christ knows how to be like Christ. And he put his spirit inside of you so that you can rest on him to be him in you. You know how fruitless it is for you to try to make yourself do good? To make yourself think right? How about we stop trying to do the behavior modification and the, and the sin management kind of stuff we've been taught? How about we just let the spirit of Jesus come out? How about we just get absorbed by his love and be so changed by his love that we don't have to act saved? That even when we're mad, we don't have to act like we're saved. That even when we're upset and frustrated and angry or irritated, Christ will still emerge. Because he can regulate your mind from the inside. He can regulate your emotions from the inside. He can change you into a completely different person. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross so we can take acting lessons. We're not trying to, come on now. He can really change you to where you are really a person of peace. Where you are really, you're a person, you don't have to watch your tongue. Because the issue is not even in your heart, so it doesn't even come out of your tongue. If you find yourself having to always watch your behavior, it's because you're not changed but trying to act like it. And that's not the Father's plan. The Father's plan is for his spirit to be inside of you, for you to experience an ongoing encounter with his transforming love where he changes the way that you think about him and about you and about others. And he changes the way that you feel about him, about you, and about others. And you are really a different person where folks who meet you today won't even recognize you from when you recognize the things you said you used to do. They're like, there's no way you used to do that. Yes. I used to do that, but this is God's power in me. It's by his grace that I am what I am. And it's a testimony for you today to not look like anything that you've been through. It's a testimony for you today, for people to meet you today and not even believe your story. But if you tell folks, yeah, I used to, I used to steal from folks, and they go, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I used to be. I, I, can, I can see that. <laughs> like, you still got some residue. You still got some residue. <laughs> Look, if you still got some residue, that just means he ain't through. That's all. But so many of us, we look at 
we look at the standard of Scripture, we look at the standard of Jesus, and we, and we, and we say, okay, I got to try to be like that. And I'm saying no. No. You don't try to be like Jesus. He changes you to be like him. He changes you. He changes you when you're in a small group of other believers and you're all linked up and you're and you're you're vulnerable with each other, you're transparent, you're like, you know what? I, I'm going through something right now. Right? I want to share with you. I'm I'm I I, I still have these thoughts, so I'm still doing this, I'm still doing that. And they can pray with you and hold you accountable and maybe even get you delivered of some stuff in a small community. Even when you come together like like this, and be, be faithful to gathering together. That's why Paul says, don't, don't forsake coming together, because we need each other. You can't find what you need out there. We need each other, and the Spirit of Almighty God moves inside of your brothers and sisters to help us, to strengthen us, and ultimately to help us become more like Jesus. But I'll share this with you. I've, I've been, this is what, 2019? This would be, in July, 24 years since I was called into ministry. And what I'm about to tell you in a few minutes, I didn't know until a couple years ago. As a Christian, as a pastor, as a preacher, and I taught the same things that I was taught. So I know about all the church expectations. I know about all the rules. I know about the, you know, you should stop cussing. You should stop sleeping around. You should stop drinking. You should stop, all that. And most folks who do all that, they know that too. They just can't stop it. They can't change it. And some say, well, I could change if I wanted to. Then your problem is you don't want to. <laughs> right? The issue is in your, is in your heart. <laughs> I could quit if I want to. No, no, no. It, it, the issue is your want to. We would be surprised how much religion, when I say religion, I mean believing that obeying rules makes you good with God. You'd be surprised how much religion we still have and how much that causes us to be frustrated stuck, uh, uh, maybe even angry at, at times about what's not working in our lives or, what's, or, or what is or whatever, what, what we expect God to do, what he's not, all that kind of stuff. And some of us in here have tried, because you, you're, especially you got a type A personality, like tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just give me the rules and, I'll, and you're, just, you're a rules person, boom, 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 and you would absolutely love religion and not know that you're missing Jesus. Because you put so much faith in the rules. If I do these things, this is what I should expect from God. Rules, rules, rules. Matter of fact, you probably heard some people say, I don't know why this is happening to me. I do all these things for God. Why did this thing happen? See, that's an, ex that's an expression. That because they were performing, they're expecting God, a certain treatment from God. And when you put more faith on your performance, you're putting less faith on Christ's performance. 
And your relationship with God as Father is based on what Christ did for you, not based on what you did for you. The, the, the thing that got shifted for me and that I will forever see as my, my, the way I want to live my life and even the message I want to share with the body of Christ is, is this message right here. It's the Father's love. It's the Father's plan. If you are not experiencing an ongoing encounter with God's love for you as, as your father and you as son and daughter, you're missing it. You're missing it. It's his love for you that will change and renew your thinking. It's his love for you that will change your heart. Some of you probably think, based on your personality, well, this is just how I am. I've always been this way. This is how I am. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, some of, some of the, this is how I am, it's the result of your brokenness. Like that, that's, when God created you, he had no intention of you having the attitude that you have or the personality that you have or the things that you hate or, the, or you know, some, of the, some of these things that, are, that make us us. He had no desire for you to have that as a part of your life at all. But we adapted those things because we, we adapted to the things that happened to us. We adapted to how we were betrayed, rejected, abused, misused, abandoned, whatever. We adapted to that. And we, did, and, we, and we developed defense mechanisms. So some of the things that you think are your personality are not your personality. It's your defense mechanism. It's your defense mechanism. Even what you call discernment is not discernment. It's fear. You know, I got discernment for certain type of people. No, you got a fear for certain kind of people. It's not discernment. Discernment comes from God's spirit. Judgment comes from your flesh. All the times there's those fears. And my point is that sometimes it's our brokenness that comes out in a certain way. And we learn to operate and have our faith and trust in how we can perceive things. We label people. And when we label certain people, we live out those things apart from who God has created us to be in Christ. Let me give you a good picture like this. What I'm looking at right now in this church is not, even, is not happening at all in 90% of the churches across America, where there's multiple ethnicities in here. Right? And so, so why do we have all black churches? Why do we have all white churches? Why do we have all whatever churches? It's not just because people like a certain kind of music. Or a certain kind of teaching style. There's some deeply rooted things where people want to, want to hold on to their own uh, ethnic heritage more than allowing the kingdom of God and the culture of the kingdom to be what they go by. What allows that to happen? It's when people can have religious knowledge but not a changed heart. So, so what I'm telling you is part of the answer to how when you... Um, uh, you, you can see a person who knows a lot of scripture, right? But they're a jerk. And you're like, how is this possible? How is it possible for you to know this many scriptures, but your attitude stinks? But nobody wants to be around you, but you think you're awesome and amazing. I mean, you think you're better. How is it possible for you to have so much head knowledge, but your heart is not, you're not more like Jesus? Because there is a distinction. 
You can go through the religious rituals. You can, you can go through Christian education and not have gospel transformation. You can, you can uh, knowing scriptures is just a matter of your ability, your, your mental ability. Can you memorize stuff? Yeah, you can memorize anything you want to memorize. It doesn't necessarily change you. The Father's plan is for us to be like Jesus for real. Not just to read about him, learn about him, no. But to allow the message of Christ to penetrate our hearts. And when he penetrates our hearts, something happens. Here's the difference. Listen to this carefully. Something happens when he penetrates our hearts. Our hearts cry out for more of him. And when our hearts cry out for more of him, that's when we get more of him. And when I say more of him, I mean more of an understanding of him. More of a revelation of him. More of an experience of him. Because your heart has a bigger capacity than your mind does in knowing who God is. Your heart can experience some things your mind cannot even understand. This isn't a new idea. Let me give you an example. Paul says that God will give you a peace that surpasses what? If if you have a peace that is beyond your ability to comprehend it mentally, where do you receive it? How can you be stable when all hell is breaking loose in your life? How can you be calm? And people say, I don't know how you're calm. You're like, I don't even know either. I mean, <laughs> I mean I, right now I have every reason to lose my mind. I have every reason to go off. I have every reason to slap somebody and no one would be mad about it. I mean, I have every reason right now. But something is still on the inside. Something is just not moving. I, I can see the danger, but I'm not afraid. Something is stabilizing me. Something is keeping me grounded. It's the peace of God that you can't understand. Watch this. You don't need to understand everything you receive from him. You just need to enjoy it. You just need to accept it. So when you get to your life and say, God, I don't need to understand you. I just want you, though. I, ju- I just want you. I just want to know that you're here. I just want to experience you. And, and I am admitting right now that there was a time in my life where I wanted to only let my heart experience what my mind could understand. And I realized that there was a limit there. Now I'm like, well, my mind is still going to be left behind. But I want my heart to experience your heart. And then let my heart teach my mind how to think. Yeah, let, let my heart teach my mind how to catch up. And when that happens, you'll find you're becoming more, more like Jesus without your effort, without your striving. Striving is tiresome, y'all. Look, look, we don't even like striving. Why are we trying to sell that to the world? The world can see straight through it. Don't tell us about your Jesus who's Prince of Peace when you are the the picture of a ball of anxiety. You should come and accept Jesus because because he'll he'll give you peace. He'll he'll, he'll, He'll calm you. He'll calm you like nobody else I know. Like, that, that doesn't make sense. Do you see yourself right now? 
The Father has a plan to make us like his son, but he makes us like his son. Now, you might be saying, okay, well, I, I, I get all this. I, I agree with this idea. I agree with this concept. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Like, when I leave this place right now, what, what, what do I do to experience this, the love of the Father? What do I do to experience this ongoing encounter with, with God's love? What I would encourage you is this. There is a value in being still and silent before God that our culture will rage against. We are so busy doing all kinds of things, thinking that if we're going to achieve or gain something of significance, we must work hard to get it. That's, that's natural thinking. That's not supernatural thinking. Sometimes the most powerful things you can receive from God are when you are at rest. Because he makes his deposits spiritually. It's when you're at rest. It's when you're still before him. It's when you've carved out time in your day to make him a priority. Because, listen, God, he, he, he's, he's not going to make you like Jesus if he's on the back burner of your life. That doesn't work that way. But when you're intentional, when you realize, number one, I, I can't be like Jesus on my own. I need you. I really need you to change me. Then... You're going to spend time with him. If you Listen, if you really want him to change you, if you really want him to uh, lead you to an experience of his ongoing his love for you, you have to make time for him. I don't care how busy you think you are. I don't. I don't. We're all busy. I mean, whatever. But when we get too busy for God... We are too busy. And we're too distracted. Some of that busyness is just a deception. You know, every time I talk to somebody, they're always busy. Oh, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm slammed. I got so much work. I'm Calm down. You know, you know. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. No, no, no. You don't know how to manage your time. That's what you just told me. You ain't, you ain't that busy. You don't know how to manage your time. And, and these other things have gotten your heart so twisted, you're pouring yourself into them, and you will hit E before you know it. All of us, watch this, all of us have time we can spend with God because he gave it to all of us. This is what I've learned. That when I'm still before him, I could be laying in the bed, could be sitting in the car, in the, in the driveway, right? Just got home, or about to leave, go to work, whatever. 
just wherever. You could be in the bathroom, have a personal retreat in the bathroom. It's all my, all my, my stay-at-home moms know exactly what I'm talking about. Just, <laughs> mommy, mommy. Mommy's not here. <laughs> mommy's in the bathroom for two days. <laughs> Fingers under the door. Mommy, we know you're in there. So much can be accomplished at rest because it's a spiritual thing. When you're sitting, when you're laying, lit- guys, listen, I, I don't, literally, literally, God can pull things out of your soul. Literally, God can put things into your soul. He can speak to you about you. Truth that sets you free. He can speak to you things about the Father's plan for you. What does it look like for you to be like Jesus? It's in those moments he can say, you know what? Your anger is unnecessary. You were taught that you needed that to defend yourself. But your anger is unnecessary. And you either choose me to defend you or your anger to defend you. But we both not going to work together. Let me tell you where this fear comes from. Let me tell you where this addiction comes from. This addiction is you trying to compensate over here for what you can't fix over here. I want to take it away. Will you give it to me? It's in those moments. He can change just like that what you've been struggling with for years. That's his power. That's his power. And it's in those moments he talks with you. He says, I want to be your father. Maybe you had a great father, but he still wasn't as good as me. Maybe you had an absent father, but I'm the always present father. Don't take out on me what you want to take out on him. Let me be your father. You're my child. I'm going to leave you with this this last scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Let me tell you something. If you think that your goal is to try to be a good Christian, you're completely missing it. God never called us Christians. He called us sons and daughters. Unsaved people called us Christians. And it has misled us for centuries. In the city of Antioch, the book of Acts, it was unsaved people that said, these are, these are Christians. 
all of a sudden we took that label. All right, we're Christians. God never called us Christians. He called us sons. He called us daughters. And we don't have to try to become sons and daughters. We are that in Christ. What we become is mature. 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 That's all mature. That's the Father's plan for us to become mature sons and daughters. One, for our own benefit with him because he loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know peace for real, to know comfort, to know power, to know strength. He wants us to know that here, not just here, he wants us to know it here. Whereas how we walk out what we know. Instead of just being able to repeat what we know. Right? We can repeat some stuff we're not living. But here we live what we know. And then he wants us to be able to live this out. Because his word is not just for us in this place, but for the rest of the world. I don't want to leave you as orphans. And the only people who can carry a message about family to orphans is those who are in the family. God's adoption process through Christ is unmatched. And when you become part of his family, there are new, there are, there's a new environment. It's a new culture. There are new values. Isn't that right? Huh? <laughs> Isn't that right? And, and those of you who have, who have adopted kids, you know that there's a lot you have to undo because of how the child is so used to thinking one way, so used to, to living and, and expecting things from a different environment. Now you're saying, no, you're here now. You're, you're really mine now. And this is who you are. And this is the You don't have to fear what you used to fear before. You don't have to expect what you used to expect before. Now it's different. One, uh, one lady puts it this way. Her name is Heidi Baker. Some of you have probably heard of her. She's adopted like 300 kids in Mozambique. And because uh, there's a lot of orphans in Mozambique because of war and parents have died for all kinds of reasons. And, um, and she says, that when you have when I have the kids at my house, he says, you can tell the ones who know that they're sons and the ones who still think that they're orphans. Because those that are sons come in and if they're thirsty, they go right to the refrigerator and get something to drink because they know what I have belongs to them. But the others who are just as a part of my family as those. They say, Mama, I'm thirsty. Can I get something to drink? And I say, sure, go ahead. And they'll look at the refrigerator and wonder still if it's okay. They already have the approval, but wonder still if it's okay. Because they haven't learned. I'm in a new family with new rules, new identity, new privileges, new rights. I can just go to the refrigerator. I can go to my father's refrigerator because what is his belongs to me too. 
This is the Father's plan. And as we live this out ourselves, there'll be so much that changes inside of you. Your personality will change. Your, your, your character will change. Your thoughts will change. He will do it. He'll do it. But there's no shortcut. Now you can go, ah, I'm not good at being still. Let me go to another conference. No, I'm telling you, it's not, it's not that. Guys, listen, it's not the conference. It's not the podcast. It's not the New York Times bestselling book by whoever. It's not what, no. You can't go around silence and stillness with God yourself. You can't do it. That's where your, your own relationship gets developed with him. So you don't have to live vicariously through somebody else. You don't have to learn about God at second hand. You, you're, you're not supposed to experience God by just secondhand information. You're supposed to know him for you. And the only way you do that is by you spending time. When I first got started, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to spend time with you. We're going we're gonna to do this, all right? You got five minutes. Now, look, don't, look, don't be like, I'm, I'm going to do two hours. Okay, that, that's a religious attitude. Okay, you ain't at two-hour level yet. Okay, don't try to start off with two hours because when you fail, you'll be like, this ain't going to work for you. No, start off at five minutes or two minutes. <laughs> look, you'll be looking at your watch at 30 seconds. My God, I got a minute and a half left. Lord Jesus. Where's all this time when I got a project to do, right? <laughs> it's new. It's new. Listen, spending time with God is countercultural. It's countercultural. It's not fast. It's not microwave. It's not drive through. It's not boom, boom, boom. I want it now. I want it now. No, no, no. This is time. This is transformation. This is change. But it's God, and it works, and it can change you permanently. Permanently. You don't have to fear, am I going to go back and do the same thing? No, you're, you're so different. Guys, I'm telling you what I know. He will change you. It's like this weird surgery thing that happens. You're just sitting there and stuff is happening in the spirit. If you can see in the spirit what's happening, it's, it's just weird. There are exchanges that are happening. There are exchanges that are happening. Let's all stand. And those of you, you don't have to come up here right now, but just, just, just where you are, because just where you are. If you're saying, Father, I, and I'm, I'm really sensitive to those who have deep father issues. I get it, I get it, I get it. That is a tremendous hurdle to overcome, but it still can be overcome. It still can be overcome. You're saying, Father, I just want to follow you with my heart. I want you, I want, I want. I don't want the religious stuff. I want to be purged of all that. I just want to live in an ongoing encounter with your love. Just, just symbolically, just hold your, your, your hands open. We're just going to pray. Just repeat this after me. Father, because of Jesus, I'm in your family. I want to follow him. I want to be just like him. I want my heart to be just like his. Because he reflects you. Help me by your spirit to yield to you the areas of my heart that I need to yield. The areas of my mind that I need to yield. 
I've depended on other things. I've trusted other things. Help me to trust you completely, to love you completely with my whole heart. I'm your child. You're my father. I want to live that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.